for the Word of God. We're thankful for the opportunity to be challenged from it and to be uh, stirred about it and to see what you have for our lives and help us as we look at mercy tonight and truth once again. And uh, I pray that um, you would encourage us and that um, we would say the thing, I would say the things that should be said and that your spirit would have freedom to work in our hearts and lives through the Word of God. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. William Shakespeare in The Merchant of Venice, uh, Portia, who was the person disguised as a lawyer, and she was begging Shylock to show mercy to a guy named Antonio. I know you read Shakespeare all the time, so you're probably familiar with this. Um, no, you're not familiar with it, but you've heard the statement before, the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throne of monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty, wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute of God himself. And earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. Let me repeat two lines, I think, which introduce our next point as we study the subject of mercy in Proverbs. In the midst of what we just read, he said these words, Upon the place beneath, it is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Mercy does that thing. Jesus Christ was obviously the source for that statement made by Shakespeare. Jesus said it better than anyone could in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And so those who are merciful are twice blessed. They're blessed in the giving of it, and there's always joy when someone shows and when someone expresses mercy, but then mercy returns to you, as Jesus Christ said so well in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. And Solomon understood that fact, and he expressed it in numerous ways, and we're going to call it motivations for mercy. That's Roman numeral 3 in your outline. The motivations, there you go. Wow, the motivations for mercy. If I can get my mouth going, we'll be in good shape. We have already learned the meaning of mercy, that it's kindness or compassion shown to people who are either undeserving of it or are unable to return it. Uh, We saw the mandate for mercy, that we're to make it our companion and that we're to make it our pursuit. Now the motivations for mercy need to be shared. And it's interesting to find that in the number of verses dealing with the subject of mercy, often, again, tying in mercy and truth, okay? But in those verses, as as Solomon shares the importance of mercy, he also shares the rewards for mercy. Now you say, well, well, why is that? Uh, Well, he doesn't tell us specifically, but I could suggest a few reasons and a few good reasons. First, our human nature rejects the value of mercy. Our human nature is against showing mercy. 
<laughs> we don't like mercy until we need it ourselves. And then, of course, we expect everyone to show it to us. Um, so that's one reason why it would be important for him to talk about motivations or, or good, positive things that come from showing mercy. Sinful human beings don't care about mercy because being merciful requires that I give of myself and I reject the desire to get even that drives me and that my sinful nature wants to follow. And so another reason then I need motivation uh, is, is because of this. But as well, we need motivation because the path of least resistance is to ignore mercy. Why show mercy? Why don't you just hold it over someone's head? By the way, that's done all over in our society. People bitter with others. I know we heard about that in the, in the messages during the revival. Uh, people harboring ill feelings toward others and doing it for years and, and bringing it up every time there's a problem. Just come, And mercy deals with that, just as forgiveness does, because mercy and forgiveness are often tied together. And so we need motivation because we just don't want to do it. Who wants to put forth the effort to be merciful uh, when I can go on my way without any effort to show mercy? Uh, why should I be willing to put aside what I, what I don't want to put aside? Truth is, though, it's ultimately good and best for me, but humanly, I don't want to do that. And so there's a lot of reasons why Solomon would take time to explain it. So let's go back to Proverbs. I, I said Proverbs chapter 14. Let's read those verses, and then we'll go back to the first mention of mercy. But uh, it says in verse 21, He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. By the way, doesn't that teach us exactly what Shakespeare was saying and what Jesus Christ said? Look, it, it, there's a happiness that comes to you, and there's a happiness that comes to the person that you're showing mercy to as you meet their needs. So you're twice blessed in giving and then as well in receiving. And then we find, do they not err that devise evil in the next verse? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. And by the way, you've got to be merciful to devise good. So ultimately, then, he's saying the same thing in verse 22. You show mercy and truth, and mercy and truth is going to come back uh, on your life. Um, so let's go to Proverbs chapter 3 now, one more time, back to that uh, first mention of it. Verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou found, find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So verse 4 really gives us a couple reasons, a couple motivations, if you would. What comes as a result of mercy and truth? Favor and? Okay, favor and we'll say wisdom or good understanding. Favor and, and wisdom come from it. Now, let's state again, not mercy alone, but mercy and truth combined, which is very important. Jesus was full of grace and truth. When these are combined one with another and used one with another and work together, okay, um, then they result in both favor and wisdom. Uh, and notice it's not only with God, it's uh, favor and good understanding in the sight of God, but then also where? All right, with men. 
So there's like this dual blessing, and then as well, the, the effect is both with God and with men. And so why would I want to forsake something like that? Um, and may we seek to be like Jesus Christ. By, by the way, someone mentioned, uh, one of the writers mentioned Luke 2.52. In fact, a couple did. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And, um, and it's obviously because he was full of grace and truth, or we would say mercy. Mercy and grace are often companion uh, words and, and thoughts. So uh, may we seek to be like Jesus Christ. Um, you know, if you really think about it, if we had like three judges, um, judge number one is a judge that is all, is all truth. He's law. So you go in his courtroom, um, you may have just messed up, and it, it may have been truly a mistake you didn't really want to do, but this guy's justice, truth, you're guilty, you'll be punished. You'll be punished according to the law, according to the rule of law, exactly as the law states. Then judge number two is a, a judge that's known for mercy. Let's all sort the people off. So if anyone presents any kind of sob story, this judge will listen, and then maybe, maybe if she or he doesn't really uh, appreciate the legal system all that much, they'll just let them off. You know, a little slap of the hand. Uh, maybe even not even that. Um, and then we have judge number three, and judge number three. Um, is interested in truth and, and the law and, and that which is right and just. But also, judge number three is, is merciful. Now, who do you want to stand before? Now, I know if you're guilty and you want to get off, you want to stand before Miss, Miss Mercy. Um, and if you have a person that's being judged that hurt you, you'd want them to stand before Mr. Justice. But the truth is, if you're a Christian, you should want to be before judge number three, who both has a good perspective so that you truly did make an error. You are guilty, but, but he weighs or she weighs both things in the balances and, and comes up with a solution that is, is best and right and both equitable and merciful at the same time. And, um, you know, we understand that in the court of law, we want that. But I'll tell you, what, what judge is going to be favored? The judge that just always law, uh, the one that's always mercy? I'll tell you the truth. Those two people are going to be hated by a number of folks. It's going to be the person who has that balance. And it's a hard balance to come up with sometimes of those two things that is going to find favor. And by the way, they're going to have wisdom because they have both a touch of mercy and concern and compassion and then a love for that which is right and just. And they're going to come up with solutions then and seek to find solutions that are going to do that which is right and best for the person. And, uh, uh, I, you know, that's, that's really ideal. And that's what every Christian should long for because... Uh, doing that gives you wisdom and favor before men. Look at chapter 11 and verse 17, and let's see another motivation. 
And when someone gets there, they can read it. Verse 17. You do yourself good. You do yourself good. Why do merciful people do themselves good? The first one, favor and wisdom comes from it. The motivation is for mercy. And then you do yourself good. Why do you do yourself good? Because in showing mercy, you receive mercy. Um, If you're harsh, you live by the book. What do you suppose is going to happen <coughs> when you're found in violation of the book? Yeah. <coughs> the, the gavel's going to come down hard on you. Um, <coughs> so you do yourself ultimately good when you show mercy. Uh, look, if you would, at chapter 14 and verse 22 as we continue on. Another motivation. Someone read it? Verse 22 of chapter 14. All right. I understand. I you, you might think I have things mixed up because mercy and truth are a result here, aren't they? But I submit to you, and I said this a little earlier, that acts of kindness, good deeds spoken of in this verse, include the idea of mercy shown. You don't do, you don't devise good unless you have a heart of mercy. I'm going to do people good. I'm going to give of myself. So anyone who plans and executes good is a person who is given mercy and truth from God. Now, that's a motivation to act as God commands in this matter of mercy. The person who plans and works evil, by the way, um, he says, look, you, you, th- that person is erring. Man, they're, they're going the wrong way. They're, they're making a bad mistake because it's going to bring, at least the verse suggests, negative results. Positive results when you're merciful. Negative results when you have no mercy and you're just evil. Look in chapter 21 and verse 21. We'll see one other motivation although we probably could have dug a few others out. 21-21. Someone there? And, and you see that, what, companion with righteousness this time and mercy. Uh, and what we find here is that uh, there's something that comes, three things that come, three, three things that should motivate us. What, what comes as a result? Life, righteousness, and honor come as a result. Um, if you want life, righteousness, and honor to come your way, you've got to seek to practice righteousness and mercy all the time. And have them, if you would, balanced in your life. Just um, they need to be an active part of your thinking, of your actions uh, in daily life. All right, let me give you the mission of mercy. And and if you would, just go back one more time, if you would, to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. I think these verses put it so well. Verses three and four. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. 
so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. So the mission of mercy. How am I going to be involved? I had to come up with an M. The mission of mercy uh, would be how do I get there? Well, if you're going to be merciful, it really involves determination. I think verse 3 says that when it says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Now, most writers seem to look at verse 3 and, and act as if you're the one that abandons mercy and truth. And that's possible in the language. But when I read verse 3, I, I see mercy and truth as things that want to abandon us. And, and I think that's partially because we have a sin nature. We have a nature that, that wants to ignore truth. We'd rather go our own way and do our own thing. We have a nature that wants to ignore mercy. And, and God says we've got to kind of hold on to it, grab hold of these things, and not let go of them because by nature we don't want to practice either. We want to either ignore both or we want to just do our own thing. So it's going to take a determination on our part. And the wording, I think, can give us the per picture that mercy and truth would abandon us unless we are active in making the choice to show and have these things as part of our life. By the way... Uh, Again, I say that both are essential because the moment you, you let truth abandon you and you just live according to mercy, you're going to make bad decisions. The moment you uh, throw mercy aside and you follow only truth, you're going to also make bad decisions. And, um, and they are uh, just so important in tandem with one another. Um, as we've said, by nature, we don't want to show mercy. And unless we're diligent, mercy is going to leave us when we need to show it most. And by the way, when do we need to show it most? When we least want to show it. Because mercy, mercy, at least in, in most, most accounts, is shown when I have been hurt, and I've been hurt deeply, and the more deeply I'm hurt, the less I want to show mercy. The more someone has wronged me, the less I want to show mercy, and I want to follow truth. Um, and, and we could probably say the opposite is, is true as well. Um, I don't want truth when I've wronged people. I want them to, to be willing to show me mercy. So don't let these things forsake you, and that's going to involve determination on your part. I'm not going to forsake it. I'm going to remember mercy. I'm going to remember truth in, in every situation. And I'm going to ask God to help me to be discerning, to keep a right balance between those two things so that I make the right choices and I do the right things in a given situation. It involves determination. It involves uh, if you would, saturation. Look at this verse. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. So that's the first, this determination. I'm not going to let these things run away. I'm not going to let them go away from me. I'm going to hang on to them. All right? Then bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. And that gives us a picture of, I, yeah, okay, saturation. Okay, determine. I'm not going to let these things go. But also, I'm going to just make these things, I'm going to, I'm going to allow these things to saturate my life. Externally, I should wear these virtues proudly. That's how someone worded it. I thought that was a great way to put it. So it's like, I'm, I'm going to, mercy and truth, I'm going to tie it, you know, I'm going to have this tie going around my, <laughs> around my neck, 
And that is what I'm going to be known as and known by. I want everyone to see mercy and truth externally from my life. That's what's going to be the, the, if you would, the twin virtues that I'm known by. At least that's what should be our desire. It must ever be before me rather than put aside and forgotten like one might do with something you find unpleasant. But notice, not just outwardly, but then bind them about thy neck, but also what? Write them on your, on your heart. These aren't to be done outwardly only as if I've memorized them and I act, I'm acting without thought. Okay, mercy, truth, let's balance it. Okay. And then we go on our way. But it's supposed to be part of my inner being. You say, you say, why is that? Well, because man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. Um, God knows if you, if you show mercy to look good or to get some favorable response. He knows whether it was really in your heart or not. Um, God knows if you did truth just because you didn't want to get a ticket or if you did truth because, well, because you love God and because your heart's in it. And so this idea of saturation is that outwardly I, must, I, I should be proud to show it and I should show it all the time, mercy and truth, but inwardly I should possess mercy and truth. And by the way, if I possess mercy and truth, it's going to come out in my actions. Um, there's an interesting verse, and you can just write it down, in chapter 19 and verse 22 that speaks of desire. And Matthew Henry made this observation. He said, it is far better to have a heart to do good and lack ability for it than to have ability for doing good and lack a heart to it. Um, may we just have that, have this outwardly and inwardly, this desire for both. Not only that, but it requires attention. Uh, mercy and truth are actions that will not be done unless you give attention to them and to the circumstances about you. Um, I'm not going to act in truth unless my mind is set on truth and I take time in a given situation to figure out what truth is. Look, look it's too late to consider truth when, when you have your hand in the cookie jar. You, you, you need to be thinking about it before. The same thing about mercy. You need to be thinking mercy. I won't act in mercy unless I'm thinking mercy. Um, and then, as I'm thinking mercy, when I observe those around me that might be in need of it, I'm going to be, uh, I'm thinking it, so it's going to be apt to come out. Because as a man, think it, we become. So it requires attention on my part. Um, we were at McDonald's the other day. One of the workers it's like gave a big sigh as I was coming to the drink dispenser. And it wasn't because I was coming to the drink dispenser and I was going to make a mess, okay? Just, just know that. So, yeah, and, and we don't always go to McDonald's either. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. 
Um, but it was like, <sighs> well, you know, it was hard to miss that. Um, but to be honest, a lot of times I probably would have ignored it. Uh, failure on my part to look for opportunities to apply truth and mercy. But um, I was thinking on this passage, and uh, it made me attentive to a need. And she shared it was her birthday, and she wished she didn't have to work, which makes sense. Um, a few minutes later, she came by our table, and in the course of conversation, uh, she was the one who struck up the conversation. She said, I'm so stressed about everything. So so my wife and I are, are sitting there kind of holding on a little bit of a conversation. It was a, an opportunity to share the help that God gives. And so... Um, pulled out a tract and handed it to her and said, I found that, that God does a lot to help me through stressful, stressful times. And this will tell you a little bit about it. Um, now, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm telling you because there's far more opportunities I've missed than I've seen. But I was reminded afterward that I, I do a poor job paying attention to mercy opportunities. And I think part of that has to be because that's not how I'm thinking. It's not where my where where what's within my heart as it needs to be, and it's a challenge. Um, and and whether it's just showing kindness to someone like that, or whether it's whether it's responding right to someone who's who who doesn't know how to drive. Um, they are opportunities for mercy. Don't forget truth. No. But but I have no problem. Usually, I have no problem forgetting or re, you know, remembering truth. But for me, it's it's remembering mercy. For some of you, I would say it probably is remembering truth. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I've got to give attention to it. If I don't give attention to these things, if they're not on my mind, in my heart, they're not going to happen. Does that does that make sense to you? Do you do you understand what we what we're saying here? So you know we can talk about mercy all we want. We can talk about truth all we want, but they are twin virtues that that I need to post outwardly in my outward actions and and wear it proudly. I I am involved in both mercy and truth. I, I, I would say that we really need to be careful to show mercy and truth to homosexuals. You know, I, I say enough from the pulpit blasting that evil, wicked, godless lifestyle. And rightfully so. Truth is, God hates it. But God loves those people just as much as he loves us, us good people. And, and they shouldn't be hated. Their sin should be, but they shouldn't be hated. They need mercy. They need people to love them enough to say, this is wrong, but I'd love to help you. And I, I pray for you. And I care about you. It requires attention, and then it involves action. Have you ever missed an opportunity 
to show mercy and thought about it after a fact or maybe truth. And after a fact, it was like, oh, man, I blew it. I shouldn't have done that. Um, we need to be constantly applying truth and mercy, ready to appropriate mercy, ready to apply truth when the opportunities arise. Don't let these things abandon you at the crucial moment. Um, you know, these qualities were important enough that when God told us about Jesus Christ in the Gospels, he told us Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. So they must obviously be very important if they were important enough for us to be told that these were qualities Jesus Christ had. So let's then listen to the words of Solomon, the words of God to us, and strive to have and show inwardly, outwardly, mercy and truth. They're very, very important. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to look at these uh, these qualities, specifically focus on mercy, but uh, the, the fact is that both mercy and truth need to be found and need to permeate our lives and I pray that you would help your people help us help every Christian in this room to be concerned with both truth and mercy to live according to truth and mercy and not to let those things abandon us at any moment or any time to always seek to live a well balanced Christian life uh, possessing both and using both in decisions that we make in life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you show mercy and truth and possess it. You're dismissed.